Hello and welcome to Brussels Sprouts, the UK's best business podcast, according to me. <laughs> That's true. Um, my name is Dan and I'm delighted to be joined by the two lovely lads from Situ. Welcome Dan Brown and Tom Leahy. Hey, hey mate. Dan, how you doing? Um, Tom, am I pronouncing that right? No, that's fine, mate. We'll roll with it. It's uh, Leahy. <laughs> I, I should have Googled it, really, but I just thought I'd go with it off the cuff and see if I got it right. No, that was perfect, mate. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good, thanks. How, how have you guys been? Uh, it seems like you're in the office right now. How are you getting on? Yeah, very well, mate. Very well. It's, uh, it's, it's nice to be in an office. I know we've got to say that because of basically our entire business, but it is actually nice being in, a, being in an office. So are you, are you at home at the moment? Uh, yeah, I'm unfortunately desking at the ironing table as usual, you know, so living the executive lifestyle. It's a desk, so that's a, that's a benefit. <laughs> Ergonomic. <laughs> it's, it's finally getting some use from me. That's not to say I don't iron, it's just to say I never iron. <laughs> um, right, guys, thank you for coming on the show. I'm really looking forward to learning more about the Situ story and what you guys are all about. Um, how we like to start it is we have a little quick fire round while I ask you both some really, really personal questions that, um, that will we'll get to know you a little bit better. So are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Perfect. Far away. Right. Dan, what is your claim to fame? I've played at Anfield. What? Really? Yeah. That's a good one. What, like bowls or something? Yeah. Yeah, I wish. It felt like it, given I couldn't run that day. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, I played. I played. Uh, just played in a corporate football tournament there. About must be about ten years ago now. Um, but yeah, really, really, really cool that was actually. That's amazing. Yeah, super yeah. gel. Amazing. Yeah. Um, Tom, what do you hope never changes? Oh God. Um, well, I'd say that I'd say that the pubs are open. But can I put that put that answer to next week? I hope the pubs <laughs> stay open forevermore after next <laughs> after next Monday. It's been a long time coming. I'd never have guessed. <laughs> No, good answer so far. Dan, what job would you be terrible at? Oh, builder of some sort. I'm hopeless at DIY. So, yeah, definitely be, have to be a builder, I've got to say. Perfectly moisturised hands, no calluses or anything. It'd be horrible for you. <laughs> yeah, you see me looking to start an extension, tell me to, <laughs> tell me to go a long way from the building site. Uh, Dan, that must be a Dan thing because I'm, this, you know, I'm equally as bad um, <laughs> at, at DIY. <laughs> But whatever. Um, <laughs> some working on, on a lot ironing board. <laughs> um, Tom, what website do you visit the most? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Goal.com. It's a it's a foot it's a football website. So quite ritually, I look at that's basically the last thing I look at before bed is check the transfer news to see whether City are signing anyone. That's quite a good one for Man City fans. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just assume they're signing everyone, I do. Yeah, pretty much, mate. Yeah, pretty much. Um, just to, just not to harp on about football, but I support Leicester, so, you know, therefore, great well, person. Yeah, great few years for you. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I do. I do time in the sun. <laughs> um, last question for you both, and I think both of you can answer this one, is um, what mystery do you wish you knew the answer to? Tough one, that is. Who, who actually assassinated JFK? Oh, there you go. That's a bit. That's a that's a bit of a bit of a rogue one. That was my that was my Easter weekend watching JFK with uh, Kevin Costner in it. So there you go. Oh, that's why that comes straight to you. Go on, Dan. What you got? That is a tough one. 
I know. I'll tell you what it is, actually. I just started watching Line of Duty again. I, I still can't understand what's going on at all in this, <laughs> in this series. So if somebody would tell me what's actually happening in the new series, that would be great. I might actually enjoy it a bit more. <laughs> there you go. I think we all want to know the answer to that question, uh, Dan. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, guys, now we've got to know you a bit, little bit better. Um, football and Line of Duty, love them both. So fantastic. Um you know, what we like to find out in this podcast, as well as getting behind, you know, knowing the people, we, we love to know a bit more about the business. So we, we're in an elevator. Let's picture it now. You know, we've got our masks on. Um, let's get your 30 second situ wow pitch. Cool. All right. Well, let's, yeah, let's give it, let's give it a go. Um, the, the thing that most people don't realize about the real estate market at the moment is there's so much choice out there for, for you as a consumer, for you as a tenant, and there are a lot of tenants out there for for landlords. What's not being done is no one's simplifying the process. You as a tenant, you've got specific ideas around what it is you need. Most of them don't relate to pigeonholing yourself into a service office, a managed office, buying a building, sublet, assignment, etc. It's my staff, what do they want, what amenities, numbers of desks, very simple stuff. So the reason we we left corporate life and, and started up our own agency was to provide best in class service across all different disciplines within real estate. So when we work with a tenant, we take a blank piece of paper, understand the drivers for their business, what's important to them without complicating you know, things with real estate gobbledygook. And then we go away in the background and we work within our team to provide them with solutions which can be across a whole different wave of of real estate uh, silos really different to the big corporates where you walk in day one and you're a leasing tenant or you're a service tenant or you're buying a building so it's that cross-market discipline that that really separates us apart and we do with that with our landlords as well landlords just want to fill their space leasehold manage short term long term you know they just want tenants in there so again we have that cross-market discipline that we can pull on all of those to generate tenants for uh, for landlords I'll take it. There you go. I hope that was, hope that was all right. That was good, mate. Yeah, that was really good. That's uh, and that's my catchphrase. I'll take it. It sounds like what you're saying is there's lots and lots of choice in the market, and you help people sort of get that down to an actual solution that they want. Absolutely, yeah. Without you know, without complicating it, you know, if uh, I think that's the that's the main that's the main thing. And it, there's also an element of like people don't know what they don't know, and like you're able to sort of point them in those answer those questions to them that they probably wouldn't even thought of themselves yeah absolutely and sometimes there's more than one solution to a you know to a requirement but you know based upon the expertise of, of the person a tenant's dealing with a lot of the time you tend to get pushed in a in a particular direction whereas you know i'm i'm sort of flex that's my background but you know pete and harry in the office here a more traditional leasehold and it's quite often we can put a leasehold solution at a service solution to a tenant and there's positives and negatives for for both and i think that's really key given the amount of choice there is that you know you can cover the whole market and you can have various solutions and whichever route you go down you're going to get the best advice rather than only the advice in one of them really and it's and it's working with those guys long term as well dan so it's you know as tom says it's it's working with them closely at the start to get them what they want now but then it's also you know and it's sustainable for our business but helping those guys navigate their future as well. So initially they might want a flex office, but 
we can educate them on the other options that are in the market longer term for them as well. So, you know, certainly options for now and options for medium term and for long term as well. So, um, do you have many people coming back then, sort of having extra conversations once you've got that initial office or got the initial building sorted? Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, that's one of the one of the things we're really passionate about, and you know, we're really on is 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 once you put somebody in a space that that real estate conversation shouldn't shouldn't stop. So whether we put somebody in there for six months or for for three years, um, we diarize regular regular catch ups with with people just to to check how things are going. You know, planning starts at an early stage, etc. And 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 really help them, as Dan said, through that entire entire journey. So whether it's a a startup that just wants a membership somewhere to to hot desk through to you know huge corporate clients we can we can deal with it all but yeah we're about a long-term relationship rather than it just being transactional um and in that in that regard we deal with a finite number of um of tenants and a, and a finite number of of landlords as well it's not a it's not a volume game like it was where we you know we used to work it's a it's a relationship game for the long term really um, so that means you give those particular customers, and I won't say particular again, so I'll say it weirdly, <laughs> seems like, uh, a really good uh, service rather than, like you say, getting through hundreds of people all the time and they don't really know what's going on. Yeah, so we want to, you know, we want to be that point contact for them, Dan, really. So as Tom said at the start, it's a very convoluted and complicated world. And there's also, there's a lot of, you know, words that are used and abbreviations that are used within property that people find that un- difficult to understand. So we want to shield them from all that, basically, collate all the information, take them on viewings, hold their hand through the process, negotiate all the best terms for them, um, move them in, keep in contact with them as they move through the process. And, you know, at the moment, given the pandemic, we're having more and more of those conversations because, you know, from one man band up to large corporates, there's they're all trying to navigate this in terms of how people come back. Yeah. So yeah, we want to be that that friendly face and that that phone call um, to help them, you know, work out what they're going to do basically. Um, that's really interesting. Let me ask you a question then, if that's okay. So how do you um, find uh, a customer the correct place? You know, um, obviously listening to them is obviously really crucial. But how do you, what extra sort of advisory service can you do to get a Sort of member, a tenant, a customer, the, the perfect spot. And like, as you say, listening is really important, but, you know, in a nice way, I think challenging people is is a really important thing. And, um, you know, and when we work with, with you know, individuals or companies or, or landlords, a lot of what we do initially is challenge people's thinking um, in a really, you know, in a really constructive way, but to offer solutions that maybe they haven't thought about or to, challenge the way that they're that they're working or how they may be working um because people can sometimes shut their eyes to to options that are actually got a lot of got a lot of merit so i think you know it's that it's that honesty and and transparency um piece which means you're you know you're going to get people the right the right solution because you've had you know a very frank and honest conversation and you challenge them and we think that's where our you know our place is as as experts is to you know highlight the whole market to them but to, but to make it a, a two-way conversation yeah of course um i i understand it's actually a really exciting marketplace now i actually learned that this morning that there's only like six percent of the market is flexed at the moment so that mm-hmm. is obviously going to go up sort of quite considerably given the current situation so you must be really excited about uh, the future really it must be a great outlook for businesses like situ do you think 
Yeah, it's it's um, there's a hell of a lot of opportunity out there, Dan. So you've got, I mean, that that six percent. I think it might be a little bit more than that, but mm. um, yeah, it's close. It's, it's still small, um, and that I mean that's grown over the last five to ten years. Um, I mean, if you go back ten years, that was probably two percent. Um, you know, there's and of that of that six percent, there's probably fifteen to twenty million square foot of service office flex space now in the market in London. So it's a huge amount of space. But I think the key thing for us is it's not only serviced office space now. You've got large institutions, large landlords that are also getting into serviced office space now because they are seeing the benefits of that model. So amenity, flexibility, really nice fit outs um, is becoming more and more important day to day. So most buildings that are being delivered now in London have got a provision of serviced office or flex space within that building. So it's going to organically grow anyway because everything that's delivered is going to have that. And it's just going to be interesting to see, um, you know, whether it's operator led or whether it's landlord led. Um, and it's an opportunity for us to, you know, not only advise landlords on what to do, which is a key part of our business and something we've done for a number of years, but also help tenants find the best space in the market. So, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly changed a lot in the in along with my hairline in the last de- in the last decade since we started in serviced offices. <laughs> no, yeah. Um... Really interesting. Can I ask you another question then, guys? Um, this one's quite hard, I think. It's not a trick question either. Rank for me service, location, and affordability in order of impor- importance. Uh, that's too much different answers. To I this. was just thinking about different answers. Go on, you so go I'm, first. I'm going to go. I think pre pandemic, I would have gone affordability first, but I think I'm going to go location first because I think there's just so many key drivers to it. To the location piece, you know, um, being close to clients, being close to good amenity, transport, you know, obviously looking at data in terms of where your staff come in from and making that journey a lot easier, certainly with the pandemic and, you know, people wanting to have that work-life balance, I think it's important. But there's a, a key piece now around destination as well, and obviously trying to encourage people back to the office, um, creating a destination, which I think location is a big part of. Mm. And whilst affordability is obviously essential, um, you know, because people want good value for money and obviously at the moment it's, you know, quite a few people are looking at the cost, the, the budget, et cetera. I still think they'll put location ahead of that because they want to encourage people back to the office. Yeah. Probably more of a pandemic thing. And I think service, obviously service is very important, but, you know, and looking at it just from a serviced office flex operator point of view, the majority of operators will offer a sort of baseline service now from, you know, good cleaning, good IT, consumables. So that's sort of a given. Um, and I think most tenants who have maybe been in, had experience of that for a, a period of time will sort of, you know, just expect it. So I'd yeah. say that is important to win business for the operators, but I would probably put it in third on this list. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you that um, service is sort of a given, right, you know? um tom excuse me if i'm gonna like you know go against your answer here but you know i i, I think yeah service just is just a given you know it's a great customer service and have all the bits that come with that and then um and then i think location is very important in terms of getting people back especially especially young people like i think are going to be more likely to want to come back whereas older people like you know myself and and, <laughs> and you dan <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're, we're more used to working from home, etc. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, what do you think then, Tom? Um, well, yeah, no, no, no surprise. I service service is absolutely number 
service is num number one for me for a you know from a tenant perspective it's you know it's service that you know and not just in the flex sector i think i think with the way the market's moving and and different parts of real estate are, are taking inspiration from from others but um yeah service you know if you're if you're paying for a you know a flexible space you want everything to be sorted for you you want to be looked after you want you know people to appreciate that you're giving your your custom to them i think as a as a society culturally we are we are relying much more on service and we're seeing better you know better value in that you know if you think of the apps that we use on a regular basis you know you deliver your ubers you those sort of things it's a service where there's pretty much a, an sla a service level agreement guaranteed you know you're going to get a taxi in 10 minutes you know if they take you the wrong route or they cancel there's a you know there's a pre-prescribed um, returns process they're, they're they're very proactive around actually returning you money if you ever need it you know that all comes down to service which is what which is what people are are after at the moment and for me that foregoes location you know if i would need to travel five minutes off the beaten track to go to somewhere where the reception you know staff know my name or where they're accountable and get things sorted and there's always fresh milk in the fridge and you know they're they're very happy to help that for me is is worth a lot more as one an employee to a business owner than you know than being on top of you know bond street tube station for example so service above location and then you know affordability i think you're always going to get people that consume and buy based on on price but for me that's definitely last um you know i value would probably be the thing that i talk about you know because affordability is just price so if you want to pay peanuts then you know you know we, we could help you find an office in zone 12 or whatever you know because that's just going to be less um it's about value and the value equation is you know service service plus price really um so yeah for me affordability is is last if you get service right then you know everything else is is sort of uh, negotiable i think uh, it's trumped us there dad hasn't he i think um <laughs> i think you're right though service you, you can sort of compare it to and a lot of people are comparing it to you sort of alluded to it there the hotel industry um the hotelification of the workplace is something that i don't think i've made up just said i think i've heard it uh before and it is a thing isn't it where people are like you say turning your workspace into very very much you know everything on your fingertips essentially yeah so where, where'd you go for it you know where'd you go for an anniversary or a first date or whatever it is you probably return to the same restaurant or the same hotel or whatever and why why do you do that because it's affordable because because it's local you know you may have moved out of the moved out of the area you, know, you still go back to Wimbledon to to you know the, was it a giggling squid you tend to go back to the same to the same places and that's because you know the service you're going to get you know it's going to be a fantastic experience and you know and I definitely think that's the same for certainly the flexible sector but even the you know even the traditional sector as well but also you probably go five minutes out of your way like you said to go to a wicked hotel rather than probably your box standard hotel that is maybe a bit cheaper but you know it's a bit you know rubbish absolutely yeah well not me in my case i'd like to go to the cheapest one possible <laughs> <laughs> that's just me <laughs> um guys how do you go about building key relationships with landlords and tenants obviously this is a big part of what you do how do you bring that to the forefront of the, the value that you add at situ uh good, good question actually um yeah for us it's all about building relationships dan really so initially 
we like to give advice. We like to give free advice. We like to build rapport. We like to pick up the phone to people, go and see people. Um, you know, and that might it might then take a bit of time to get active requirements, but you you start to build those relationships. You know, we do we do a lot of benchmarking, for example, for clients where you know they might not need to move for six to twelve months, but we'll say, look, let's come and see you. We'll do some benchmarking on costs. See if you if you're getting the, the right rate. Let you know of other buildings that might be in your area, which just helps build that trust. And that helps in the first instance, but then obviously I think you know secondary, the proof is in the pudding at the end of the day. So you have to, if when they are looking to move office, you have to deliver. And I think you know going back to what we just we were discussing earlier on, we we are quite forensic with our clients as well. We you know we give them a blank sheet of paper and let them have a real say in terms of what they want, and then we'll really work with them to make sure they find exactly what they want for that particular point in time and you know within their business cycle yeah. um that goes well we keep in contact with them you know we hope and pray they enjoy the experience of the office that they're in and then there's a sustainable relationship there for us moving forwards to then work with them again in the future um and off the back of that hopefully get some referral business as well because you know mm-hmm. if you work well with one with one company then they tell a few others and it's organic growth for us as well so i think that's you know it's important that we that we do that stuff Mm-hmm. And then on, and honesty, which is included in that, is what we discussed before. You know, you know, people people buy people at the end of the day, uh, as we know. So it's it's just about being honest, and yeah. that's one of the great things about you know being your own boss to a certain extent is that you know you you can you can be honest and candid, and that doesn't have to be in a you know in an aggressive way, but just you know when you're speaking to somebody, you give them a true reflection of actually how things are and. And as, as Dan said, we give a lot of free advice, you know, do a lot of sort of, you know, pro bono type of stuff. And, and, and that's actually because, you know, we maybe get stuff that isn't quite our, our area in terms of, you know, geography or, or whatever it might be. And so, we, you know, we give, we give advice, but we say, you know, we're giving this to you, but actually we're probably not, you know, interested in continuing the, the you know, the, the conversation. Or we say we'd love to be involved, but you know, you need to readjust your thinking probably here and here. And it's it's all backed up by factual evidence. But I think that's that's a key thing in relationship building. People know they can pick up the phone to you and get a get an honest answer, um, which just helps them doing transactions that you have a you know an honest, transparent relationship, you know, and that's for the tenant or the landlord or whoever back to us as well. Yeah. I agree that honesty is the best policy. And that's something that, you know, somebody that uh, buys things in my role, like that's very good to have someone that can pick up the phone to and ask them a question and I know I'm going to get you know the truth back essentially I'm not going to have to sort of check it with 20 different people or do loads of work I know that I can trust them uh, at that time and also the benchmarking thing I think is really cool because it saves people a lot of time like where they'd have to be messing about looking at different quotes and all this sort of stuff and um, that can immediately offer some value because you're saving them um, which is obviously the most important thing in all of our lives is time essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, you know, the market, historically, the flex market has had a fairly bad reputation in terms of if, if a tenant, you know, puts a requirement out, they just get bombarded with information. Uh, and, you know, important for us is to shield that information from them, basically collate it all and then send it through in an, in an orderly fashion for them to understand. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's it's unfortunately something that still happens within the market where just because of the, the way the sector works, a lot of brokerages and agencies have you have to blanket buildings um to get a fee position basically so um if you can control that that tenant experience it just makes it a lot easier to to help them basically yeah 
I think so. You, you, you also touched on there about kind of uh, Tom, the geography. This is an extra question that I'm throwing in here. What do you make of sort of London versus sort of the, the outer ring hub and spoke piece? Um, what's happening there? Are, are, are people leaving London forever? Or is that just simply not true? Um, I think definitely people have, you know, have left London. Um, but, you know, already we're seeing, you know, the last three, four weeks, basically, since the roadmap's been, you know, a bit longer, the roadmap's been set out is people are actively looking at, at coming back into to central London. So I, I certainly don't think it's going to be a, be a ghost town, but we're, we're seeing a lot more, you know, a lot more sort of requirements that have, you know, a base that's, outside of London and just have a smaller one within London rather than a big, you know, corporate office in, in central London. Some businesses have relocated um, entirely. Um, but yeah, it's sort of, I think 12 months ago in March, April, May, you know, we were we were talking to each other and thought, God, is this going to be the end of, of real estate in central London? Is everybody going to go and work in peripheral uh, locations? So no, I don't think that's the, uh, you know, I don't think that's the case, but I do think you're going to see, you know, almost things spread out across the, the UK a little bit. And, and quite often we're hearing of, of you know, staff numbers where 20, 30% just will never return. They'll, they'll all work remotely and they've moved out of central London into regional cities and, and whatever that might be. And there's businesses and companies that are proactive in supporting them as staff members and still having them on the, you know, on the roster, basically. Um, do you know what I read this morning, actually? Um... <laughs> You won't actually, because you know, how could you? <laughs> uh, you know, I read I read an article on the BBC that says uh, a lot of these big businesses that last year all committed to going completely remote, i.e., Twitter, etc., all these different ones, are now sort of doing a bit of a U-turn and getting everyone saying everyone needs to come back to the office, and that there's some requirements you work from home, but we didn't mean everyone. We meant sometimes. So it yeah. seems a bit of a U-turn going on, which I find really interesting. Why do you think that is? They're just they're just. Um... Everyone's just trying to work through it, Dan, at the yeah. moment. It's 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 so fresh still, the pandemic, and it's, you know, the way people are working has changed. It's been just tipped on its head in 12 months, basically. So whilst, you know, initially it seems like a good idea, everyone's going, great, I love working from home full-time, so the whole company goes, great, let's do that. After a year, people are saying, actually, I miss my work colleagues, I miss collaborating, you know, I miss seeing clients in the office, I miss going for a drink on a Thursday night. It's just finding the balance between the two. There's no wrong. There's no wrong or right answer to to either of them. But you know, I think there'll be a middle ground basically. So most people will work from home or the office two to three days a week, probably. Mondays and Fridays most likely will be home days, and we're already seeing a bit of a trend on that front. Okay. And then maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays is when you're all organised to go into the office to meet colleagues and organise client meetings. So mm-hmm. they're all just trying to work through it really, um, and it's going to take. It's gonna take some time to get to get it right. That's for sure. Um, yeah, and I think there's, I guess, there's two other, I think, two other bits to that as well. One is, you know, training people, the experience piece. You know, there's, in my eyes, there's really, you know, no substitute for basically learning biosmosis. You know, being somebody who's got a lot to learn, that's in the office with people that are more experienced, and you hear people on the phone, or you're invited to a, a meeting at the last minute, or or whatever, it, or you know, you're asked to help on a report and you know, if I've if I've got to pick up the phone and call somebody and say, can you jump on a Zoom for us to talk through it? The moment's gone, uh, really. Whereas if somebody's in the office, you can you can actively do that sort of thing. And especially if you're training somebody up, you can actively, you know, stop them and you know correct them or have a conversation about it. And that's the that's the the time you've got to really you know create that formative 
learning experience. You can't note it in your notebook and come back yeah. to it two weeks later when you've got your weekly catch up with someone who sat at their kitchen table. The moment's gone. They've forgotten about it. It's hard to hard to work on that aspect. So I think that's one reason a lot of these businesses now are looking at bringing people back two or three days a week because then you have that younger generation. A lot of the big banks came out recently. The guy at the top of Goldman's, I forgot his name, he's come back and said he wants people back in the office and the HSBCs of the world and Barclays have all said the same, which 12 months ago they were talking about how many roles they were going to shift out. Um, and then I think the other thing, the last thing is the mental health aspect of it. And I think everything Dan said plays into that is that seeing people socializing, you know, change of scenery, uh, whatever it might be, um, you know, it's, I think mean, that's a big, that's a big thing as well. And I think, you know, corporate responsibility potentially is to, to offer people the opportunity to, to get out of home. Um, people yeah. like to feel part of something, don't they? Mm. I mean, that's, that's the key to it. You know, it's, if, if you, if you join a new business, you know, we had a, a new starter in, in January and you join a new business, you want to, feel involved and yeah. understand the culture of that business and mm -hmm. the characters that are with it within it if you're just at home for five days a week and you don't have that experience then i, I just think you probably get a bit isolated mm -hmm. um but yeah it's it's um it's going to be interesting to see what happens and obviously the hub and spoke stuff all plays into that as well so um, i agree i think um i agree with everything you said pretty much um i think Young people especially, you know, a lot of the young people are stuck behind their desks already leading up to when they go to work, on, you know, on the PS4 and stuff, uh, myself included. And <laughs> now they're going to be stuck doing that at work as well. These, we're going to have a generation of introverts that don't know how to talk to anybody outside of a headphone. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds Yeah, so I'm, I'm all for going back to the office. And I don't think you can beat that experience of learning off others as well especially if you're new to a company you know it might be awkward just picking up the phone and zooming everyone two minutes and mm -hmm. you know saying oh i need help with this again where you can just tap on their shoulder and annoy them all the time yeah get rid of them fire them <laughs> <laughs> no obviously not um guys obviously um uh, there's a lot of agencies out there and uh, there's a lot of opportunity out there because of like we said the six percent or whatever it is and that's going to keep going up and um, how do you differentiate yourselves in that competitive marketplace um uh well the first, i think the, the the key differentiator dan for us is um we've mentioned the number a few times you know 20 million square foot of flex space um just knowing them know the market you know there's so many options out there um and obviously the experience of having worked in the market for, you know, both Tom and I for circa 15 years or so, um, you know, the main runners and riders, you also know the, the ones who are maybe slightly off market as well. And I've got, we've got a labyrinth of, 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 of a huge network of, of, of contacts who, you know, it's very rarely we can't find a tenant something, you know, whether it's the right location, the right budget, the right look and feel. Um, so that's probably the key. The key one for me is just is just knowing 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 the market back to front, basically. Mm -hmm, um, yeah. And we and we have a you know a competitive advantage here. I think that one was sort of small enough and nimble enough that we all sit in the same office and we all you know every week we sit down and discuss every client and every landlord that we're working with in quite some detail. So it's quite often that you know Dan and I focusing on the the flex side, we will we will hear about a requirement um that's come to see one of our managed buildings so one of our buildings that's all inclusive plug and play type product um we'll hear about a requirement that'll actually be perfectly suited 
for one of you know Harry or Pete's landlord clients that wants a, a leasehold solution. Um, and we've done a couple of transactions where we've actually taken somebody from the flex market and you know put them into um, a leasehold, and we've worked with the landlord and we've worked with the you know the the tenant broker or, or agent to to do a sort of a hybrid solution where it's you know a little bit lease, but the leasehold agreement is shorter and more simple. There's more stuff rolled into a service charge. It's it's a lot cleaner, but it's still a lease. Um, and you know, and I think that's one of the one of the main things for us as a as an agency that we we do very well is we cross sell. Um, when typically, as we explained at the very start, somebody gets siloed immediately at the front end. They're either a leasehold tenant or they're a service tenant. Whereas we have, you know, we sort of have fingers in both pies, so we can quite easily cross sell from um, from one to the other. Um, that's really interesting, and like you say, the benefit of being in the office there for you guys is so obvious because you can hear each other and uh, sort of get that um, knowledge of what's going on, on that side of the business with landlords and also tenants, and then you can talk to each other. So there's a real, you know, advertisement there for being in the office right there. I think. Yeah, yeah massively. We tried. Um, we did try having a Zoom call um, or a Google Hangout call open every day that we were at home, and it was it wasn't quite the same as it. <laughs> no. um, and yeah you're right i mean i i was um the boys were in a lot a lot earlier than i was just because i've got a little one at home for childcare reasons and you do forget i was like god what buildings have we got on at the moment and what floors have we got available but when you're in the office you just you you sort of uh, just absorb it basically when conversations are happening it's all sort of in your head so it def- definitely helps us um and as tom says just helps us be so creative on when requirements come in um to find to find the right solutions really yeah of course uh, very interesting um thanks for that guys very interested i i certainly learned a lot about uh, agencies that i didn't really know before so i was really excited to have you on the show so i could actually get a bit more information on that side of things i usually talk to uh, landlords or um or actually yeah just landlords <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's just yeah that's, that's actually really interesting to hear the other side of it um what i would say that is we like to finish on a uh, office joke so uh, have you guys prepared a great office joke to make all of the you know seven people that download this um, podcast? <laughs> so you, so you, uh, I didn't want to say you have no authority no, here, so Jackie you, Weaver. That's so what you, um, <laughs> um, yeah, um, earlier in the week, Dan, a, a book um, fell on my head the other day in the office. Um, I've only got my shelf to blame. <laughs> I mean, that is terrible, isn't it? That is awful. Is that, it sounds worse the second time around. It does. <laughs> yeah. it's you tell How about you, Dan? Did you say you had a joke? It's probably the same one. Um, <laughs> I don't think I can beat that, but I'll try. What is it? So uh, my boss texted me the other day saying, Dan, um, can you, can you tell me a joke. Send me a message. Tell me a joke. And I was like, look, I'm too busy. I'm working too hard. I'll text you on later. He said, ha, good one. Tell me another one. Um, because working too hard and stuff. <laughs> So uh, you don't get it. You know, I'll, te- I'll tell you later because it's it's a tough one to get that. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll watch it. Back. Yeah, don't worry. We read we we done five hours of research on joke websites <laughs> today, so that's that's been your that's been your job today. <laughs> well, I think that's a great time to end this, guys. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been really interesting to hear about uh, your business and Situ's journey and what your differentiators are. It seems like you've got. Uh, a very exciting future ahead of you, uh, certainly with the marketplace growing. So it's bigger and better things for you guys onwards and upwards. Um, thank you very much for coming on the show. I just want to thank everyone uh, for listening as well. 
Um, it's been fishy and delishy. It's been Brussels sprouts.